Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another adventure in Angular. This week, I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and we are talking to Andre Gatej. Now, Andre, you are from Romania, and it, it seems like we've been getting people from, I think we had somebody from Armenia, we've had people from other places in kind of Eastern Europe, which is fun. I love talking to people from different parts of the world who are using Angular, doing interesting stuff. Um, you're you're kind of a younger developer too. You were telling me that you just graduated from high school not that long ago, and which is a little different from here in the U.S. Having lived in Europe myself for a couple of years, we also had a, an Italian foreign exchange student. Your high school is a little different from ours, but yeah, you you picked things up there. Do you want to just kind of tell us how you got into Angular? And we'll talk through your journey a little bit. I wanted to dive in because we were you were telling me well, what you're working on now, and I was like. I was like, yeah, we got to get this into the show. And then we're going to talk about Angular Router. So if you're in this for Angular Router, you know, hang in there or skip ahead five minutes. And yeah, but uh, I think Andre's uh, story here is, is pretty interesting. And I want to highlight it here for a second. So go ahead. How'd you get into Angular? Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator. Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com. Okay, so first of all, hi everyone. I'm very happy to be here and thanks, and thank you very much for this. So my Angular journey started in 2019 at my first job. And at the first time, it didn't seem very friendly, to be honest. But at the same time, I, I uh, liked its strictness. So I started working there. I, I worked there for like six months. And in that time, I followed many articles online. I watched many videos. And during that time, I, I also found about Angular in depth publication, which sparked my, my enthusiasm about Angular. So I, so from that moment, I wanted to know more about Angular, about it, mm -hmm. about what happens behind the scenes. After the, uh, the six months there, I, I had to quit the job because I had to work for my final exam because I was in high school back then. Then I, I started college and from, and in all this time, I've, I spent time learning about how Angular works under the hood, mainly how the forms work, how how the mm -hmm. router works and stuff like that. And from and for three months, I've been working for a, for a startup here in my country. And there, I'm not using Angular. I'm using Vue.js. And I would say it's for me, it's it's a very good experience to work with both frameworks because I can infer conclusions. I can see where Angular, for example, might need improvements from my perspective. And the same can go for Vue as well. Right. So you, this is the part that I thought was interesting was that you you got in, you you dug in deep, which is awesome because a lot of people they get into Angular and they just kind of coast, right? They they get good enough to build stuff and they coast. And you didn't. You got in. You dug deep. You've been writing for Angular in depth, and then you've gotten this job recently where you've been writing Vue, and you said that Vue kind of takes a lot of the, I guess the it's too open is what you said. 
that, that you're, you're too free to go make more mistakes. And, and I'm wondering like, yeah, you know, what, what do you like and what don't you like in that way? Right. Cause yeah, it's kind of nice to have those borders on what you can do, but sometimes they get in the way. Right. So where do you find that that makes a difference in a positive way? And where do you find that makes a difference in a negative way? So first of all, I would like to say that Angular is my personality to say the, uh, to say the least, because it's very strict. It has a certain way of doing things. And I, I like this very much, but at the same time, sometimes doing simple things, uh, sometimes it can be very hard for the developer to, to implement such features. So what I like about Vue is it's, of course, it's uh, simplicity. I think this is its main selling point, uh-huh. uh, but sometimes I don't like it very much because I feel like you have too much freedom and too much freedom can cause chaos, especially when you, when you have a big project. So that's what I don't like about having too much freedom. On the other side, in Angular world, I like that it has many built-in tools, but again, sometimes simple things take a lot of effort from the mm-hmm. developer. One example would be uh, if you want to implement dynamic ta- uh, tabs component in Vue.js, mm-hmm. uh, you you can pretty much do it from the template. Whereas to my knowledge in Angular, you have to deal with uh, Vue container ref to query uh, things from the template. And there are possibly many other things you, ha- you have to do. So this would be one example where Angular has a more complicated way of doing things. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's one thing that I found is that in a lot of ways, and, and just to give another example, I've worked in several languages where there are both more and less complicated options. I think for me, the more poignant example is like Ruby and Ruby on Rails, which is where my background primarily is, right? Uh, so Ruby on Rails gives you a really regimented framework for building web applications. And for the most part, you don't have to think about where everything goes. But sometimes there's stuff that doesn't fit neatly into the boxes. And that's that's where it gets hard, right? It's like, okay, I've got to go kind of break the box in order to make it work, right? And that's kind of what you're talking about with the tab interface, right? Where you, you kind of have to go bend what Angular gives you into something else in order to, you know, or work with what it gives you in a kind of an unnatural way in order to get what you need. Whereas the flip side is, is that everything else you just kind of stick it in where you want you to put it in the component. And, oh, that's real nice. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. But yeah, we brought you on to talk about routers and we're already 15 minutes in. So let's go ahead and uh, switch gears here a little bit and talk about understanding Rails or Rails routers. <laughs> now I'm thinking Rails. Take, talk about Angular routers. So what kind of possessed you to write about Angular routers? Because, I mean, for the most part, routers are something that, I don't know, it seems pretty basic when you really look at it, right? You have a path, it matches up to a component, and I don't know, that that's kind of the in and out of it to me, I guess. But but there's more to it here in, in your article. Yes, so when I finished the, the article, I was very impressed that there's many features that the Angular package has. So it all started when, when I first had to deal with this part of the Angular. And mm-hmm. I was very impressed that you can pretty much say the component name, the path name, many other options, and and uh, everything works. That mm-hmm. uh, pretty much impressed me. So that's why I wanted to dive deep to see how it's done. And not only that, but I was pretty sure that I would find many other interesting things. Right. So that was my 
my motivation to say to say so. I simply wanted to know how it works and to find the adjacent things. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wanted to find the things that are kind of connected to it that aren't. Yeah. That yeah. go a little bit beyond exactly. the here's a path, right? And here's the component. Good job. Yes. So, so what did you find? I mean, I don't know. I I tend to write apps in a pretty simple way, and so even when I'm in Angular, I don't go too far beyond. Hey, here's a you know, here's the path, and here's a component. Yeah. So behind the scenes, there is a very complex process, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, and it it is based on the uh, RxJS library, as we might okay. know. Okay. As and uh, for example, when you want to perform navigation, there are uh, a few phases that that go into this process. First, it will have to find out whether the path that you provided exists. Then it will handle stuff like finding errors, maybe. Mm-hmm. Then it will build the the state of the current tree. Okay. Then it will uh, collect the guards. Then it will run the guards. And if one guard uh, fails, then the entire uh, navigation is stopped. Then uh, it will go ahead and show the component on the page. But apart from this, I found out that there are many options that you can provide to to this package. For example, there is one option, skip location change, if I recall correctly, which, uh-huh. um, for example, if you use that option, I wanted to mention that before mentioning this option, I have to mention how uh, Angular keeps track of the of all the navigation. So it, it uses the history API, which is native, but right. when you use that, that option, skip location change, it won't, that, it won't add a new item on that stack. But the very interesting thing about this is that it will run that, that very big process of going to the configuration, of finding the guards, of doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, this might not be very, useful at, at first sight, but sometimes it can be. And there are many other options uh, and hidden facts that this package has. For example, the one that I liked the most was the absolute versus, versus relative redirects. Right. And where essentially you can redirect to a full path or you can redirect to a relative path, right? Yes. When we want to use redirects, we have two options. You can either use absolute or relative. So you can imagine right now configuration for the for the route. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the configuration is simply an array. But one item of that array can have the children property, which can also have an array of routes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so now let's imagine that you are in a nested configuration. And when you use the redirect to uh, option, if you use an absolute path it will start from the outermost configuration array and it, and it will search the path that you provided from there. But oh, interesting. Used, yes, but if you use the relative options, it will start from that from configuration that array. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. where that option uh, was provided. Right, so um, if you've, you're in children, 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 it'll start inside and then it'll work its way outward if it's relative. No, no, it will uh, start in the innermost and will stop there. Uh, it will not bubble up. Oh, it won't bubble up. Okay. Yes. But uh, if you use an absolute option, it will start from the outermost and go uh, 
it'll drill the down inner, into the children. Yes, 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 exactly. That's interesting. Now, will it only drill into the, how do I put it, like the ancestry of the one that I define the absolute path in? So if there are like multiple trees, will it only go down the branches that I'm on when I do the redirect or will it check all of the branches? I'm pretty sure that it will check all of the branches. So it will start oh, from cool. the from the outermost and will check each item, each then it will check the path. Then if it has a children away, it will go into there. So oh, so oh, uh, it's like a DFS search. It will go uh-huh. very deep, then it will go outside and keep searching until something is found. Okay, gotcha. So uh, that's that's really interesting. I didn't realize it didn't bubble up on the relative. I always assumed it did. I probably spent hours debugging one of those. Now, are parameters considered part of that path when it's searching, or is it just the path piece of it without the parameters? Now, uh, it depends on what path you you provide. As you might know, you can also provide a wildcard path, which is mm-hmm. like two two stars. But if you're not using this, when when you redirect, you can also use the current query params matrix params and positional params. Now, as a side note, a positional param is the one you use when you declare a new route in the path. I mean, uh, okay, it follows the, the pattern colon and the name. But I gotcha. Uh, yes, and matrix params are um, sort of similar, but you can provide them uh, at the start of your navigation, and and they have the the pattern semicolon key key value semicolon key two value two semicolon key three value three and so on and this can be thought as i mean those are very useful when you want to provide some additional information about the current navigation so right they're not persistent yeah yeah typically what i see is you have the you have the parameters with the colon i can't remember what you called those but you usually use those for like IDs or it's the resource yes. that you're actually operating on within the component that you're working with. And then the other stuff is sort of, okay, it's going to be styled in this way or it's going to be navigated in this way or it. this is something else that you need to know about the, the component, but it's, it's kind of t- tangential to the actual thing that you're rendering the component around. Yep, absolutely. Now, one other thing, and then as we got further into this, into your, into this article, you know, it got into some stuff that I don't think I've ever actually used. And so I was wondering like what, what all of this stuff is. So one of them was like router navigate versus navigate by URL. Yes. Yes. I remember about this. So, so what's the difference? So first of all, they both serve the the same purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think this is pretty obvious from their name, but there's a small difference when you use the navigate uh, method because it can take up it can take in uh, a second argument which is the option relative to and there you can specify an uh, activated route instance this is very useful when you're dealing with a very complex configuration of routes and basically what this option does is to tell you where to start the navigation from Okay. Because by default, so there is a very important thing that I have to mention first, is, uh, and that is that that Angular keeps track of the navigation using a structure called URL tree. 
and okay. uh, and you can think of this structure as a as the deserialized version of a URL, which is a string. So, mm-hmm. so uh, when you use both commands, navigate and navigate by URL. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right, so one thing that I saw in here that I'm not sure if I completely understood was the part about the router outlet. So it says higher the hierarchy created by the router outlet directive. Uh, do you want to just explain what a router outlet is and what it does? Sure. So this, first of all, uh, uh, is a directive. So, and I, I would say this is one of the most important parts of this package because because without it, there uh, couldn't there couldn't be there couldn't be anything shown on the screen. It has a very interesting mechanism uh, behind the scenes. And basically, when you use that directive in your template, Angular knows how to keep track of these directives by using a map, simply said. Because as you know, you can have named named outlets as well. So in your template, you can have a simple outlet, a named outlet, and a different named outlet, and so on. Okay. But Angular under the hood keeps track of this with the help of a map. Uh huh. And this mechanism can be used inside the component that an outlet shows on the screen. So what this implies is that a map item can also have a map of other outlets and so on. And that's why you have to use this kind of directive when you, you're using lazy modules, for, uh, for example. And one very uh, interesting aspect of this is that this is why when you inject the activated route in your component, and this can be any component, so it doesn't have to be part of, of a route. This is why you can inject that activated route. And the way it works is that it uses a feature from the, from the Angular core, which is the injector. And mm-hmm. behind the scenes, it creates a custom injector so that it knows when you show a component on the screen, it will be created with that injector, custom injector. So um, that injector will know what to provide to the component. So, so, so I, what I'm, I, what it sounds like you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that you essentially have your primary component. So let's say that I, I click something in it, it has a route that's connected to a component, and it loads that component into kind of a primary outlet right it's it's got this place that it sticks that component that says you go here right and and generally that's how most angular apps work i click something else and it sticks whatever other component that router goes to there but this is another place that something else might go to right so i might get some other related content in this other place right so i might get another component with some more information that goes here right and so now I have two places that it may update instead of just one. Is that what's going on here? I don't think so. Okay. Totally missing so, the boat. <laughs> uh, kind of. <laughs> and this is my fault too. What I wanted to say is that you might have a, come across the pattern where, where you inject the activated route in your component. But mm-hmm. how do you know? Maybe 
that component where you are injecting that activated route into that component can be part of a route item and that path that path in that item can have something like path slash colon and id and the way it knows how to provide the correct activated route is by using a custom injector so this outlet directive it creates a custom injector uh-huh. and, and when it renders the component on the screen it creates it with that custom injector and that custom injector will contain that that option where it says that when uh, you ask for the activated route i will know which one to provide to you right and that's why you can keep track of the current id in the path mm-hmm. and many other and many other things of that activated route such as query params or params or data right right so does the router outlet then just give me different places to put different components from different routes not exactly because you don't explicitly put components i mean you can declare them in the configuration for the routes right but then i mean uh, that's enough to do the rest all you have to do is to put that component in that item from the configurations array mm-hmm. and the outlet directive will know what to do okay and so so i'm assuming that if you let's say that you activate a route from one router outlet it assumes that it's going to replace whatever outlet it's in or do whatever it's supposed to do within that outlet it knows what it's supposed to do but you can also then specifically when you activate something that hits a route you can also say this needs to actually activate in the other outlet right you can say this actually needs to open it over there or this needs to load this component in the other outlet yes right yes and something very important to mention is that this kind of directives must match the configurations that you have provided because for each uh, new uh, children uh, property in that component in that so for example uh, for example if you have component uh, full component and in that item you also have a, a children property that full component might, must also have an outlet directive oh interesting okay so i may have let's say like a directory component and a file component right and so then i could have like a directory outlet and a file outlet so to speak right and so if I click on the file listing in my directory outlet, then it's going to open the file component over in the file outlet. Yeah. And uh, you would declare the file uh, outlet in the directory uh, template. Mm. Okay. Because, uh, okay. Because uh, the directory uh, outlet would be declared in the app component. That makes sense. Uh, HTML. Okay. Okay. And that's the thing. <laughs> No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But then but then I know where everything goes. Yes. That's really cool. So now I'm curious, what did you build to learn all of this? Oh, I like this question very much. And the short answer is I didn't build anything or I would say uh, anything useful, but I had to have some some examples to work on. Mm-hmm. So um so all I did was to remember all the times that that I've been curious about how the angular how this package works. Mm-hmm. And then when I dived into the source code, I knew sort of what, what I was looking for. So the gist here is that you should have some previous 
knowledge about the package. And then right. I simply followed the, the test because like any package, it has many tests and there, right. uh, yeah. Uh, and there uh, you can see all the, or almost all the possible situations. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I, I followed one test and first of all, and I tried to deduce what's going on. And then I went with a debugger uh, in a stack blitz demo or yeah. And that's why, and, and that's how, how I did it. And that's how I do almost everything with Angular or yeah. Awesome. I love it. That is a terrific way to learn. Uh, most of the time when I talk to people, I'm like, well, what did you build to learn stuff? It's like, oh, I built this app and then trial and error, trial and error. And it's, I, I love the approach of, well, I went and I worked through the tests, right? In other words, I went through code that was specifically written to exercise <laughs> the code, which makes a ton of sense. That's so smart. Yeah. Cool. And then you wrote this blog post for Angular in Depth. Um, and it looks like you've written a bunch more. So uh, people can go check that out. Is, is there an article you're working on writing right now? Not right now because uh, it's very hard to because it's very hard to find the time right now. But when I have the time, I'm going through the source code of Webpack. But there's so much going on there. So it will take a while. But my next article will most likely be about Webpack and some very uh, interesting things about how it works and how it can achieve so many features. But right. it will take some time. But it, right. uh, it's, very, it's very interesting. Yeah, Webpack is definitely an interesting project. And one thing that's fascinating about projects like Webpack or Angular for that matter is that when you look at the sort of the initial versions, and I would count Angular 2 as kind of an initial version because they completely rewrote it based on lessons they learned from Angular JS, a lot of it is pretty straightforward, right? They they kind of just go and kind of brute force blunt write out what they want it to be. And then they sort of attack some of the issues that they find as they go and solve those things, you know, bit by bit by bit. But when you get to a Webpack 5 or a an Angular 12, a lot of that has gone through iteration after iteration after iteration. And they've done some weird stuff to solve for performance issues and things like that. And so it's always interesting to see what they've what they've done and dig into, okay, this looks really weird. Why did they do it this way? And so I'd, I'd be really curious to see what you're learning from that. Um, so maybe we'll have to have you back on this show or JavaScript Jabber just to be like, okay, you've been digging into the Webpack code. What did you find? But yeah, are you doing that the same way? Are you working through the tests? Or are you doing that a different way? For the first time, I took a very simple example for, for example, two functions and, and one console log. And mm -hmm. then uh, I simply went to the process which also took a while, so it, there's a mm -hmm. lot going on there. But now that I, I've been once or maybe twice through the process, now uh, I will start uh, following the test because I, uh, I think that there's all you have to, to need. I mean, almost all you have to need about all these edge cases, all the usual cases and stuff like that. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, thanks for coming and talking to me for an hour. This was a lot of fun. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, 
get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit, and you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. I don't know if you've listened to the show in the past, but we do picks at the end, and picks are just shout-outs about stuff that you like, stuff that you're enjoying. I'm going to throw out a few picks here myself, and then I'll let you do some picks as well. I've been recently working on putting together some premium podcast episodes for the podcasts, and one of the things that I am working on doing as a part of that is We're coming out of COVID, and I understand that people are starting to do meetups again. But one thing that I've been wanting to do for a while is just kind of do a monthly meetup, an online meetup as part of that. And so I kind of threw together the premium podcast feed for 10 bucks a month as as that kind of a thing. But I think I'm going to wind up doing a monthly meetup where we'll have one or two people, probably one person that's sort of well-known in the community, and then just somebody else from the community in at large, right? So it's somebody that's not well known that just has a topic they want to talk about. So maybe it'd be somebody like like Andre to come and talk to us about routing, right? Because you're not Angular famous, right? You didn't speak at NGComp, but you know you go and you can prepare a talk about routing and 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 speak to us about it, right? And just kind of do that and then put that up on that feed every month as well. And so if you're interested in speaking at that, I would love to hear from you. Just email me and or DM me on Twitter, and that's cmaxw at devchat.tv or cmaxw on Twitter. But yeah, I'd love to pull that together and make that happen. And uh, I guess it'd kind of be a 12-talk ng-comp or a 24-talk ng-comp. Um, and then I'm also working on either, so the first hour would be talks and the second hour would be like just uh, breakout rooms in Zoom or something where we can just chat. Because that's the other thing that I really miss about getting together in person. It's just sitting down and just chatting with people and going, oh, what are you building? Oh, well, well how are you doing this? What, what, what new thing have you tried, right? Oh, you're using Firebase? I'm using Fauna. Oh, well, how do you solve this problem? Oh, Firebase does that out of the box? Well, I've really struggled with that with Fauna. Oh, well, you're struggling with that with Firebase? Oh, Fauna does this real easy. It's just this, this, and this. You know, just having those conversations or just the, gee, what's it like to be a programmer in Romania? And just kind of having those human moments, right? And so just, oh, you've been doing a lot of view lately. How do you like it? I just, I miss that. And so I want to have a lot more of that. And I want everybody else to be able to do it too. And so I figure, what the heck, let's pull something together. So, and I figure 10 bucks a month is is easy for almost anybody in the world, no matter what your economic status is. If you have a job programming, you probably get paid enough to afford it. So anyway, go to devchat.tv slash premium. You can kind of see we're pulling that together right now. I think I have four or five shows on there. The doing devchat.tv show, that's just going to be my audio diary. You're just going to get me talking. It's not going to have any meetups on it. But it's it's all content that you're not going to get anywhere else. So I think that's kind of the pitch there. But everything else there, that's what that's going to be. So I'm going to shout out about that. What else do I want to pick? I just finished the second book in the Stormlight Archives. I have read those before. Those are by Brandon Sanderson fantasy books. 
kind of cool. People suck in light that gets infused into gemstones during storms that move around the world. Magic, they do magic with it, right? They suck in the light and then they do magic with the light. It's really awesome. It sounds really weird when I try and explain it, but it's magic. Really enjoying those. The fourth book in the series came out last year and I am just slow going getting through them because I am working through some other stuff, but I'm enjoying that. And then I just signed up for some sales training by a guy named Kevin Paul and I'm really digging into that. So, and the reason is, is because I want devchat.tv. I have this vision for it. I will probably not talk about it here because that would be another hour that we don't have. But in order to support it, I need to be able to sell sponsorships and coaching. Honestly, the coaching is kind of the top level of that anyway. And it's funny because initially I felt bad about charging for the coaching. But in a way, it's a way for me to just determine who's kind of at the level where they're willing to do the work, right, for the coaching. And so then I can coach the people who are going to actually go and do the stuff that I ask them to do in order to get the results. So, and I am coaching people. So you can go check that out at devinfluencers.com slash apply. And you can go check out the podcast that I'm putting together for that as well at devinfluencers.com slash podcast. But ultimately, yeah, putting together the po uh, podcast, putting together sponsorships, doing all that stuff. I just, I needed to up my game on high, high ticket sales. And so I'll put a link to his stuff in there as well. Really digging into that. And the last pick I have, you know, I'm going to save that because I kind of want to do another bonus episode with Manny and we'll talk about his uh, focus time offering that he just put together. But it's pretty awesome. And it's it's really helped me out. But I'd kind of like to explain to, to people what it is before I pitch it. So anyway, those are my picks. Andre, what, what are your picks? So I only have one pick, but this is very meaningful to me. I mean, it could be considered like two picks, but I would like to think of as only one. So I would like to mention two awesome communities. And the first one is In-Depth Dev, which, uh, which is the former Angular In-Depth. And now they switch the platform and they have uh, much more content besides Angular. And the other one is uh, This Is Learning on Dev2, which is uh, led by Lars Nielsen. Um, mm. And, and uh, the reason uh, they are very meaningful to me is that they helped me uh, very much in my career. They they made me uh, discover this passion for knowing for knowing more about the tools that I'm working with, and for that uh, I'm very thankful. And that's why uh, I just wanted to let the others know about this those communities. Awesome. What's interesting is is that with communities like that, like a lot of these, it's like well, if it's it's kind of my secret weapon, right? If I know about these things, then then I can get further ahead than everybody else. But with communities like that, the more people that get into them, and, and this is why I love that you share it, the more people that get into them and the more people that are in there and sharing into them, the better they are. And so, yeah, everybody go pile on, right? Go go get in and join up, right? Because that's the power of these communities. If you put links to them in the show notes or into the chat, then we'll make sure that they get into the show notes and uh, the people sure. can go join them up. But yeah, the the in depth dot dev started out started out as angular dot or angular in depth dot com, and it's it's amazing to see what they've built over there. And dev too, I mean, for a long time it was just kind of this aggregator for 
resources within the dev community and it's turned into this forum that people can go get all kinds of awesome information from and Lars has put together all kinds of great stuff in the dev community for a while so yeah go check both of those resources out because they are awesome all right one last question where do people find you online twitter github other places yes uh, on twitter at the handle this will be a bit hard to spell but i'll try and user 96 okay all right, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for coming. This was fun. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. All right, folks, we'll wrap it up here. And until next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.